players gather to cast powerful spells, some of the oldest and most powerful spells in the history of Magic the Gathering. Rainstorm, Lion's Eye Diamond, Cabal Therapy, and many others battling head-to-head -head in brutal combat. They all have one thing in common, to uphold their legacy and the search for eternal glory. The Eternal Glory Podcast is brought to you by the minds behind Bosch and Roll on YouTube, Thurabian University, and TheEpicStorm.com. This episode is sponsored by Eminence Gaming. Hello, and welcome to episode 107 of the Eternal Glory Podcast, Storm Deep Dive 2023. We've already recorded 30 minutes of introduction and banter for the week, available in our supporter-exclusive pre-show. Check out patreon.com slash eternalglory to gain access, or join as a YouTube member for the same content on YouTube instead. As always, I'm Phil Gallagher, a.k.a. Thraben U. I am Brian Cole, a.k.a. Bosch and Roll. And I am Brian Cook of the Epic Storm. Speaking of our Patreon pre-show and supporter pre-show, shout out to... EMC2, Nick, Steven, Steely Dan fan, shout out to that one specifically, Fola, Frank, Cal, Dan, and Alexander. Lots of new members since the last episode. Appreciate you all. You are keeping the show on the air. If you listen and like this, it's just five bucks a month. Get in there and you get 30 extra minutes every time we release. It's a good deal. And thank you as well to our sponsor, Eminence Gaming. If you're interested in running an event or you want your local game store to do so, but are worried about the logistics of it, check out Eminence Gaming's Command Tower software. You can create and manage four-player or 1v1 tournaments easily, and its unique pairing system ensures you don't get paired against the same player multiple times. Visit eminence.events for details. Today is a day where we're going to basically let Bryant run the entire podcast, and the other two of us will chime in when we have something that is almost as smart to, as... To, you know what? Brian is going to do the talking today. We're going to talk about Storm because we are living in a Storm world now. They've gotten so many new toys, and especially with Eternal Weekend coming up, you need to know what these Storm decks are doing, how they work, the advantage of playing each one of these engines. Phil, I want you guys to call me out when I'm wrong. I want to have a great conversation. This isn't the Bryant show. Come on. It is mostly going to be the Bryant show. I have thoughts too. I have played with and against Storm a bit more from the against side than the with, but I have registered Beseech the Mirror and Mind's Desire in decks recently. And we talked about this in the pre-show a little bit, and I think we talked about it last week too. Storm just went from these the cards we have sometimes you get like a cool burning wish target or something that answers a new problem but it's been a long time since you got a real engine or a real tutor or a real busted ritual and in the last two or three months you've gotten four or five like game-changing spells that really redefine the archetype i'm gonna let you rip and just start wherever you want to start on this let's talk about it so the gold standard since 2008 has been the card ad nauseum i'm sure most of us are familiar with this it's three and then two black it's an instant you reveal cards off the top of your library until you would like to stop, you lose life equal to their converted mana value. That has been really what Storm Combo has used ever since 2008. Yeah, we've had some splashes of like past and flames and stuff in there, but Ad Nauseam has really been it. And at the time, it replaced ill-gotten gains and diminishing returns. You can feel free to use Scry if all the look up those. We're not going to read every card tonight. Yeah, you don't need to know what those two. <laughs> exactly. It's in the past. 
Also, I just want to shout out real quick. Uh, 2008 was 15 years ago at the time of recording this. It's 2023, and uh, I remember Shards of Alara coming out. I was at the LGS for pre-release. I drafted that block a lot, and just doing the math in my brain right now just withered me into dust. And knowing that you know, 15 years ago, that is close to half of my life on this earth, probably about half of my life playing Magic, and that's that's the era. The last time Storm got a big change. That's the the historical precedent we're going to be delving into tonight. Yeah. And then if you look at, I just looked it up. It's been officially a month and a half, a month and two weeks since we received Mind's Desire. And I was convinced that Mind's Desire was the way forward. And then just two weeks ago, we received at the same time Paradise Lost. And we've talked about this a little bit on the pod, but I'm going to read it again. So like ad nauseum, it's three green green instead of black black. It's an instant. You roll two dice, return any number of cards with total mana value of X or less to your from your graveyard to your hand, where X is the total of those results. Exile Paradise Lost. So it's like a super-sized restock, if you remember that card from Invasion. And then we've received Beseech the Mirror on the same day, which is a brand new card from Wilds of Aldrain. It's one triple black, so four mana total for a sorcery. As bargain, you may sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or token as you cast this spell. Search your library for a card, exile it face down, then shuffle. If this spell was bargain, you can cast that spell for free. If you didn't bargain it, you can put the card directly to your hand. Uh, Bart, you can cast it for free if it's four or less. I think you skipped that line. That is important. You can't grab your Nas uh, or Emrakul, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, and before the the weirdos in the comments get get picky, uh, we got Paradise Lost and Beseech the Mirror on MTGO the same day. Paradise Lost has existed since Infinity came out, yada, yada, yada. Paper magic isn't real if we can't replicate it on MTGO. That's where Legacy actually lives. I am sorry. You are correct, Brian. We did receive it in Infinity, which was September of 2021. So, I mean, it was a long time before I hit Magic Online. Us Magic Online grinders only received it recently. And wow, what a month and a half it's been. We went from nothing for 15 years to three format-defining engines pretty much all at once. And I've just been in the trenches trying to solve it. Ever since Beseech the Mirror hit, I've played 80 matches just trying to figure out the best possible list. I played 160 matches between Mind's Desire being released and Beseech the Mirror. Like I've truly just been in the weeds trying to figure out how to make all of this work. And I've even played some matches with Paradise Lost and it's been an adventure. And today we're going to talk about some of that. I play Magic for a living, and I don't think I've played 160 matches in the last six weeks. So you are you are in there doing your thing, for sure. As an aside, just in terms of a timeline, Creative Technique also hit Magic Online in this same ballpark. And while it's not exactly a Storm card, there's a lot of combo experimentation going on in Legacy right now. So I thought it might be best to just like bring the audience through this journey that we've been on already, like we've given them the abbreviated version. Let's talk about some of the pros and cons of these cards and then ultimately our, you know, our thesis where we land on these. So uh, let's go back to Ad Nauseam and in the year was 2008. 
a young Brian Cook just graduated high school, might have just gotten the first hair on his chin. It was a great time. At the time, we were playing Ogan Gains and Diminishing Returns, and I was like, oh, wow, we're going to have to cut Simeon Spirit Guide for this card because it has a deck building cost. It's mana value based, so you can't play pitch cards, so no Force of Will, no Grief, no Unmask. In our last episode, episode 106, we talked about how good those cards were. When you play an Ad Nauseam deck, you kind of have to make decisions on what you're going to play. Lower mana value tends to be better. So a huge con of the card there. But some nice things about Ad Nauseam. It doesn't care about the graveyard. It doesn't actually draw cards. So it gets around things like Narsa, Leovold, Orcish Bowmasters, and has a massive card advantage. Another really nice thing about it. You can cast it off Dark Ritual or Cabal Ritual, so it plays really nice with the acceleration that's available in the format. And this is a smaller nitpicky thing, but if you ever want to beat Phil Gallagher, it's super important. You can play it as your second spell of the turn, and it creates a massive effect, so that way you get around things like Mind Break Trap. I'm sorry, Phil. No, it's it's a big deal, and we're probably going to deep dive on that card a little bit later on in the episode. For a long time in Legacy, Null Rod was a card that I would just shove willy-nilly into sideboards because it solved a lot of matches. Right now on Magic Online, the card that is in that same headspace for me is Mind Break Trap because it's hitting all of these various flavors of Storm while also hitting the Creative Technique decks. I'm not sure how hard you want to go on the card for Paper Magic, but for Magic on Leagues right now, get them. So a few other negative things about Ad Nauseam, unfortunately, it's life total base. So if you're facing someone with a Delver of Secrets backed by Day's Spell Pierce Force of Will, that Delver of Secrets is going to deal 3, 6, 9, and all of a sudden an Ad Nauseam from 11 or 12, depending on how your deck is constructed, starts to look a little bit dicey. It's also an instant, which I believe the idea back in 2008 was that you could cast it on an end step, then untap and play your cards. In Legacy, it probably would have been a little bit better if it was a sorcery so you could get it with Burning Wish. There's some debate there. You don't necessarily have to agree with me. I've certainly cast it off a Mishra's Bobble trigger with a couple Lion's Eye Diamonds in my life, but I think it would definitely be played in the sideboard over Peer into the Abyss and Burning Wish Storm decks. Back in the days, too, talking about this being an instant, this matters less now because the rules are different. There was Mystical Tutor was legal in Legacy. Uh, when it overlapped with Ad Nauseam for a while. And it was, Mystical Tutor is banned now, but there was also a time when mana emptied at different times. It was at the end of each phase rather than the end of each step. So like the start of turn phase, you could like float mana with LED in your upkeep, then draw and use, spend, cast a card with that mana, which sounds sick now. Like the combat phase is made up of multiple steps. And like mana was just around for combat, not for declare attackers, declare block, you know, the beginning of game phase, the rules were a little different. And uh, Nas actually had to be an instant in that time, uh, like upkeep mystical tutor for Nas float with two LEDs, draw for turn, cast the, the Nas before we go to main phase and I lose my LED mana was a line at the time. That sounds so perverse. Just saying that out loud. I hate that. I'm glad they changed it. Yeah, I remember that time period. I definitely did it a lot. There's a gentleman that I see at locals every once in a great while who's like, remember that time I went turn one Thoughtseize, turn two him, turn three him, and then you beat me on your turn three? And that's exactly what happened there. So as far as Adnaz goes, it doesn't always lead to a win, which is weird for a card that sometimes will draw half of your deck, but you do ultimately need to draw, air quotes, draw another win condition 
afterwards. And especially if, you know, a Delver or an initiative creature takes a beating out of your life total early on, it doesn't just deterministically win you the game. For sure. And most of the cards today, I would qualify them as storm engines and not win conditions. And I think that's an important uh, qualifier because cards that actually win the game are what I would call a win condition. And while a lot of people concede to ad nauseum, it's definitely not one. Yeah, it, it's totally not free. Uh, we shouted out Jax in this episode, Combo Brewer on MTGO. That might have been in the pre-show, might have been in this one. I don't know. Shout out Jax in the main episode if we haven't yet. Does a lot of great work in this space, but he was playing a hybrid Beseech the Mirror and Ad Nauseum deck against me in a league where I was playing Boros Control. It was a brew challenge. I got him with a Lightning Helix one game because the Nas just like flipped a couple of fours. Beseech the Mirror is a, a lot of mana to have in your Nas deck. He boarded in Pernicious Deed. I almost said Prismatic Ending. That's not the one. He boarded in Pernicious Deeds against me to sweep up my Urza Saga tokens and multiple Deafening Silence and it worked, but that's also a three you reveal off ad nauseum that doesn't advance your storm plan. He still wet my ass, don't worry. But the game I got was because Nas just uses your life total, and from 20, he stormed out, and I won. Just because I had a, a stupid burn spell in my hand. And Lightning Bolt's a played card in the format, so you gotta respect that. Yeah, for sure. There's been a lot of times where I've been like, do I flip? Do I not flip? And a lot of the times, if uh, you're going to Las Vegas, this is very important to know. Playing with Ad Nauseum is a lot like playing Blackjack. You have to know when to hit, when to stop, when the odds favor you, when they don't. Uh, it's really exhilarating, but it can also be very punishing. And sometimes you just have to accept that you lose the game unless you flip the cards you need because you can't win with what you have now. Um, that was something that when I was first learning Ant, I didn't get. I would just like stop if I had flips that would kill me. And then after playing a little bit more, I'm like, no, sometimes you just need to risk it to attempt to win the game because if you end up discarding a bunch of those cards, giving your opponent a turn, you actually open yourself up to too much stuff and your odds of winning are actually worse than if you just potentially kill yourself by risking going for a line that will lead to a win. Yeah, many times I've either been casting or play it's it's even worse when you're playing against it and it's like, oh, they don't have it yet and they're at two. And then it's like, well, they can't stop because then you attack them for two and they lose and they have to like Chrome Mox, Lotus Petal, LED, runner, runner, runner without hitting two mana worth of stuff in between. And then they just do. And you got to know that that's an out it's in there so why don't we switch gears let's talk a little bit about a month and a half ago when we released minds desire we have an episode that you can check out it's episode 104 where we take a huge deep dive into that card so i'd recommend uh going to listen to that but we're going to give you some quick highlights here minds desire after some initial play really only saw play within the epic storm and then high tide variants there were some people testing it in ad nauseum tendril shells but it didn't really stick around for the most part uh the biggest thing about minds desire in my opinion it's essentially uncounterable. Yes, you could have Stifle, you could have Fluster Storm or Mindbreak Trap, but for the most part, traditional counter spells didn't align very well against it in a format that has a lot of force of will and force of negation. And having a payoff spell that you didn't have to protect was extremely nice in those matchups. 
the cards revealed to Minds Desire can be played this turn and without their mana cost. So if you reveal, I don't know, let's say a Gaia's Will, you can cast it for free. Uh, that is a benefit of that card. You could also cast a Peer into the Abyss for seven mana for free. So it can create mana. And I'm mentioning this because we've had Galvanic Relay ever since Modern Horizons 2 that you have to wait a turn and you have to pay their mana cost. So it's a pretty big distinction there. I think one of the big things that has led to Mind's Desire not seeing as much play as people might have expected it to is the fact that there's mana concerns. A lot of your rituals don't directly cast it. And it, other than that, it doesn't have a lot of deck building restrictions and cards like Echo of Eons, um, Time Spiral, Lorien Revealed that normally have a very high converted mana cost and you maybe wouldn't want to play with Adnaz can be very, very good here. For sure. Being double blue, I mean, we talked about in that episode about how Manamorphose was a pinch point. Other than that, you had things like Chromox or Lotus Petal Mox Opal, but it's really tough to make blue blue quickly in this format. In my games with Minds Desire, I mentioned, I believe in the pre-show, uh, that I played 160 matches with, that was definitely the main episode, with Minds Desire. My win rate was below. My normal win rate is about 62 to 63%, and my win rate with Mind's Desire was 50 over that time period, which it's a decent size sample, but it's mostly because Mind's Desire is so tough to cast in matchups that you need to go fast. Like against Phil on Death and Taxes, I can't Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual ad nauseum. I now have to find four mana and two blue before Thalia, Guardian of Thraben comes down, and it didn't happen that often. Yeah, and kind of a more subtle thing, if you're in a blue pseudo storm deck like high tide you have a lot of draw a card things and orcish bowmasters is a very popular card in the format right now so if you are waiting until like let's say like turn four to cast your mind's desire and attempt to go off and you are hitting things like lorian revealed afterwards and your opponent has a bowmaster in play like that can add up to a very large amount of damage during your storm turn and kind of make it feel like you're playing a Nas still. Another thing is, uh, I believe in the Mind's Desire episode, we talked about how you were 75% to hit with Storm 5 uh, with a count of 17 payoffs. Let me tell you, I cast plenty of Mind's Desire, some for 8, some for 9. Sometimes you just don't hit it. You hit that 25% where you just flip lands and lion's eye diamonds and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Nine cards was not enough. Uh, the math says it was, but it is a non-deterministic option that's also kind of slow. Yeah, one big thing that, I mean, we talked about in the Desire episode that uh, we haven't mentioned here, uh, Desire into Desire is a self-contained kind of engine. Like normally, ad nauseum, you play one in your deck and you tutor for it when it's go time, you cast that, and that's the whole shebang. Mind's Desire rewards you for playing more Mind's Desires. You probably could build a deck that just has like one or two in your wish, like wish claw or tutor package, but then you're losing out on the mini desire for five, hitting the desire, then the next one's for eight, and then you're ripping. That's just a whole nother puzzle that none of these other cards ask you to solve. Like, uh, Nas, Paradise Lost, uh, you probably or you want one of those and then beseech the mirror you probably just want four of those and it's deterministic when it rips so desire asks multiple unique questions to mind's desire that none of these other cards want you to do all right let's talk about pair o dice lost this one kind of only has one home as far as i've seen and it shows up in ant 
where it's kind of competing with Past in Flames for a similar role. However, unlike Past in Flames, this can get you back artifacts. This can get you back lands. And it kind of is, is different in that regard. Rebuying your Lotus Petals and LEDs can open up some very strange lines that you might not be used to playing with Past in Flames. For sure. The last time a card did that, Phil, was Ill-Gotten Gains pre-Ad Nauseam. So dating back to 2007, the beginning of the Epic Storm, uh, I have fond memories of picking up a pair of Lion's Eye Diamonds and an Infernal Tutor with Ill-Gotten Gains. And you can do that again today with Paradise Lost. And kind of as a secondary thing, Ant kind of wants to be base bug anyway, and oftentimes splashes red for, you know, a sideboard card and a single copy of Past in Flames. And this allows you to kind of take that red out of your mana base, just ever so slightly improving your mana. For sure. And I think that's actually an understated thing because I've seen a lot of these Paradise Lost Antlers running a single main deck copy of uh, Besaju because now they have better mana. That 15th land that's often a flex slot can be a green mana source that allows you to be a game one card such as Chalice of the Void, where before it might have been more difficult. But like a lot of the other options that we're talking about right now, there's also variance, right? Like you are literally rolling dice with one of your engine spells here. And you, you can low roll on this in a way that is bad enough that your combo will fizzle. Even rolling the two. Uh, the snake eyes which is the worst roll you could get that gets back every rock in your graveyard every lotus petal every led every land in case that is relevant if you got like a brainstorm to move them around honestly thinking of like the fail case of rolling two that's every rock in your graveyard and infernal tutor you should be able to figure it out from there but if you do need like i need all my rocks the infernal tutor or i need all my rocks and i need to chain them into like some brainstorms and ponders and find the infernal tutor uh, rolling a, a two or four to four is probably really devastating. So when you're playing this card on Magic Online, which I have done exactly once now, it shows you the two numbers at separate intervals. It's not like, okay, you roll the seven, you can pick up um, cards up to mana value seven. It's like you roll the five, you roll the three. And that caught me off guard because I was like, oh no, I can't pick up my eighth progenitor ooze now. I can't beat the known veil of summer in their hand. Uh, and then I was like halfway through clicking and I was like, oh. I can pick up the save progenitor ooze. Ooh. Uh, so just so you know, it does count the numbers twice when you're playing on Magic Online. You mean in the display, like the chat will say you rolled a five and then on a separate line, it'll say you rolled a three instead of telling you you rolled eight total. Okay. Yeah, okay. That, that probably would have confused me. So just kind of on the topic of Eve, we do have green, green pips in this card, which means again, sort of like our blue storm spells you don't just directly like Dark Ritual or Cabal Ritual into these things. You need either two green lands or maybe a green land and a Lotus Petal or something like that in order to go and set this up. So Phil, you mentioned Mind's Desire being a little bit slower because of that and playing into Orcish Bowmaster. I find that Paradise Lost actually has the same problem where you might be going, okay, I'll turn three Paradise Lost. But by turn three, your opponents had some time to dig for Endurance, or they set up crop rotation into Bajooka Bog, Elvish Reclaimer into Bajooka Bog. It honestly can be a little bit slow due to that double green. Yeah, and I haven't had a chance to play around with this card yet. Uh, one thing I like about Past in Flames is like it has flashback, 
So like you can try again a lot of times if something goes slightly wrong. Paradise Lost is is is, is one and done. You know, you you get your one go at it. So a piece of graveyard hate can mess you up slightly more than with the past in flames, despite the fact that both are using the graveyard. Yeah, it is extremely frustrating as a control player when you have the counterspell and past in flames goes on the stack and they have the mana to flash it back. The graveyard has a duress in it. And even though you have the counterspell versus the storm player with one card in their hand, you're about to lose. And yeah, Paradise does not have that same energy. Let's go to the big winner now. Let's discuss Beseech the Mirror. And while I've been playing this in like mono black helm shells, Brian and friends have been working on turning this into one of the scarier storm engines that we have access to in Legacy. We've already read Beseech the Mirror this episode. I think it's not right to talk about Beseech the Mirror without mentioning Guy's Will. So Guy's Will is a green sorcery from Modern Horizons 2. Like every good card in Legacy, it's from that set. Am I right? Well, Guy's Will (laughs) has no mana value. Not zero. Actual no mana value. It has suspend four for a green. Until end of turn, you may play lands and cast spells from your graveyard. If a card would be put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile that card instead. Well, if it doesn't have a mana value, how do you play it? Well, you can do things like Mind's Desire into Guy's Will. You could use... Is it Behold the Beyond, the blue enchantment? As foretold. As foretold. I don't know why I was saying Behold the Beyond. It, yeah, pretty close, though. Yeah, pretty close. As foretold. Uh, you could Cascade into it via... The same like sort of thing as Living End, that is another option. Or you can play Beseech the Mirror, which gets around the cast clause of this spell. So for four mana, you essentially get Yawgmoth's Will and Legacy. The closest thing we've ever had to this in the past was Ill-Gotten Gains, and that hasn't been a viable choice since 2008. Uh, I'll I'll uh, slightly disagree, because there was another Yawgmoth's Will analog that we had for what? four and a half weeks in legacy <laughs> a couple years ago the fastest ban in legacy history and i'm talking about underworld breach uh the last time we had anything like this it was gone with extreme prejudice we've never seen a ban so quick and i don't think wizards ever gave us the number they were just like now nah, this is done honestly people are not going to like this hot take i think that underworld breach is better than yogmas will there's a reason that in vintage you see decks playing two three uh underworld breach i think even if they could play more copies of yagmas will and vintage they wouldn't i understand it's restricted but i think breach is honestly just the better card yeah i was talking to, to someone about this recently as well uh it might have been at the the commander sealed i did a cedh pod for exhibition on their their stream and underworld breach is a top card in the format probably the top card in the format if i had to point out one most busted card in CEDH, I think it's Underworld Breach. Yawgmoth's Will does not always even get played in Grixis Storm decks. It's just not even in the list. And Breach is the most important card. Like there's some secret sauce in there that even though Breach looks worse on the rate you get, because you have to escape the card and, and whatever, it, it is better than Yogg Will in many ways. For sure. And if you're looking at Beseech the Mirror and asking yourself, like, where does this card go? Well, currently, there's a lot of exploration happening, but for the most part, you'll find it in Ad Nauseam Tendrils, the Epic Storm, and Black Saga Storm. 
And what it's doing, it's kind of replacing Ad Nauseam and Past and Flames all in one card. So uh, the biggest comparison, in my opinion, is Past and Flames to Beseech the Mirror because of that built-in guy as well. You get two effects that both allow you to cast spells from the graveyard. In Legacy, there's artifacts, as Phil mentioned, off of the guy as well. With Past and Flames, you're only getting instants and sorceries. If you're looking to be playing Beseech the Mirror, Modern probably isn't the spot. The broken artifact mana is not there. Instead, you only get instants and sorceries. Like Desperate Ritual is probably the best accelerant in Modern for Storm, and that's an instant. You can just pass in flames into that and not have to jump through any hoops. Pioneer, you have the creature Leer, uh, which is probably just better. Uh, once again, you don't have to jump through the hoop of the bargain cost or triple black. And then CDH and Vintage. Beseech the Mirror is very good, but they actual they have actual Yawgmoth's Will. You don't have to worry about Guy's Will or playing a card that you don't want to draw. Beseech the Mirror is a multi-format all-star, I guess is my point here. Also multi-archetype all-star. Like, we are going to talk about it in an unfair capacity today, but it just turning into any number of silver bullets from Shouldred to Opposition Agent to Leyline of the Void to Helm of Obedience in a fairer deck is also still crazy by the format standards. Yeah, I was gonna say when Brian said multi-format all-star, I follow on social media all sorts of people doing all sorts of stuff, not just Eternal Wizards, and the number of people who were like, great, now decks get eight childrens because they're coming from standard. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty busted too. Even on its most fair place in the lowest power format, you can register this thing. I would probably put it in draft decks that could reasonably bargain it. And getting access to the best card in your draft deck is pretty good too. If you have some like roll tokens kicking around, which is a major theme of Wilds of Eldraine. It, it seems hard for me to imagine a format where you can register this card, where it's not at least reasonable to do so, even if it's not enabling one turn kills. I know that we've already read the card. But Bargain says Artifact, Enchantment, or Token. I would just like to reiterate that one more time, because when we talk about it, a lot of people in their head default to Artifact. You can sacrifice Carpet of Flowers to this, which is absolutely nuts. You get the triple black from Carpet, and then you sacrifice the Carpet. You can replay the Carpet, switch phases, activate the Carpet again. It's very good. Or you could sacrifice Goblin Tokens. I've also done that. So uh, make sure you read the card, even if maybe your card isn't in English like me. Also, uh, on that, a lot of magic cards, especially some that we have some historical comparison to, like Diabolic Intent, sacrifice creatures. Creatures are kind of the go-to thing that we sacrifice in magic as an additional cost, and that's not a thing. Unless that creature is a token, an artifact, or an enchantment, you can't just sack any creature laying around to a bargain. Just keep that in mind in your deck building, because it is unintuitive versus historical precedent. And don't forget that you can sacrifice your lands, so your Vault of Whispers and your Urza's Sagas are fair game too. Oh yeah, the most played enchantment. How could I possibly forget, Phil? Oh yes. So when you're thinking about Beseech the Mirror, I think it's really easy to think about it as a tutor because ultimately that's what it is. It is a card that searches your library for another card. But it's also sort of a payoff spell. It is like an ad nauseum, like a mind's desire, which is why we've been discussing it in the capacity with those cards. Um, it's kind of weird to compare a tutor to ad nauseum because they're not the same. But in this instance, the tutor's getting guy's will and 
you can get other cards, don't get me wrong. You can grab Tendrils of Agony, Empty the Warrens. Um, there's Galvanic Relay. There's other things you can do, but for the most part, you want to get Geyswell a high percentage of the time. Yep, also the spell, you don't have to cast it right now. The Diabolic Tutor mode of this, just four mana, search your deck for a card, put it in your hand, also works. If you have high enough mana, uh, Jax did that against me in the match I mentioned earlier. He had so much mana that he just no bargain tutored for Adnaz and then just cast it for five. So if you have Ad Nauseam or Mind's Desire or something bigger and you're just ready to rip on it, you could do that too. Yeah, and just like speaking of like letting it rip, like this one just gets cast off your Dark Rituals and Cabal Rituals. You know, this is four mana. All of it is the same color. You are not jumping through multicolored hoops. It's to- It's smooth. It's clean. It feels good. So Phil... You might not realize this, or maybe you do. You can actually beseech the mirror into beseech the mirror, into beseech the mirror, into beseech the mirror. That's four storm plus the final card you get. So if you get to five storm and then cast beseech the mirror, that's deterministic. Okay, I I haven't done the beseech into beseech. Yo, dog, I heard you like beseech line yet, but it's now on my radar. Also, just the tight deterministic line. So dark ritual, dark ritual, lotus petal wins the game. Right? Like, Rit Rit is two, Petal's three, you bargain the Petal, that's four, you cast the Will, that's five, you cast those three cards out of your graveyard again, that's eight, then you play the Beseech again, and that's nine, and then Chandrils is ten. And that works with Cabal Ritual as well. Uh, Like, if you get to four mana and have an artifact kicking around, that could even be a Chromox no imprint. It's very easy, and if you're on Dark Ritual, or if you have Chromox and you have cards kicking around that you can imprint... That's an extra mana. There's one there that you don't even need. You can duress with that mana. You could Veil of Summer with that mana. It is very easy to count to 10 with dedicated Beseech decks. For sure. I think that's one of the biggest things is that it's deterministic. And I put a note in here uh, for later, but we'll just talk about it now since Brian talked about it. He mentioned Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Duress, Beseech. That's five mana for a protected win. When you compare wins in the past with like ad nauseum you also you often had to go infernal tutor into ad nauseum which was seven mana and if you wanted to thought seize or dress first that was an eight mana line this is by far the cheapest thing that we've had in a long time that's deterministic i think if you want to make a comparison to a non-deterministic thing you could talk about echo of aeons which is just pure randomness and whatever the deck deals you it deals you but here you get to use your black mana in a capacity that not only protects you it wins the game for just what threshold cabal ritual makes and we haven't really had an engine like that in the past and one of my other favorite things is you often don't need to do something that risky to try to go off Um, a lot of times when playing ant to go off, you have to go all in, like cast an Infernal Tutor, crack a pair of Lion's Eye Diamonds, and if your opponent counters your spell that's on the stack, like you're, you're screwed, game over. And I don't feel the same way about attempting a Beseech line. Like, you cast the Beseech, you bargain a thing away, your opponent forces, like, okay, you just traded two for two, your graveyard's still there, you could try again later. For sure. And I think one of the things that changes the dynamics a little bit, Phil, is that you can wait to see if your Beseech resolves. And if you think they're waiting for the Guy's Will, you can pivot to empty the Warrens. Or you can go, okay, I'll let Guy's Will happen. You pass priority. They can either let it resolve or counter it. And if it resolves, you can then discard your hand to Lion's Eye Diamond as long as you don't need any of the cards in your hand. You don't have to sack your Lion's Eye Diamonds immediately with the spell in the stack. 
in every circumstance. I mean, I'm just saying that you can hold them if the limitations or circumstances permit it. Yeah, not relying on Lion's Eye Diamond. I recorded day one. This card was available on MTGO. There weren't even posted public lists yet. I just kind of had to figure it out as a smooth brain control wizard just trying to build a new Storm deck. And my deck was bad. It was misbuilt by you know multiple cards and engines. But I did have Pact of Negation in there in multiple copies. And being a Storm that deck that doesn't rely on Lion's Eye Diamond to get its engine going, you get to kind of tap into Oops All Spells technology. And I went off at least once with Pact of Negation in my hand. Just deterministic win with zero mana, fuck your spell, ready to go. Yeah, I, I, got, I got got today by turn starting with Veil of Summer. And I'm like, all right. I got that one and like we had a counter war two or three things deep of some kind and then like i got hit with a pact of negation at the end and i was just like oh no bro i was not prepared for that one and i handily lost to it right and like oops all spells when i'm playing against that deck i'm generally not comfortable until i have three pieces of interaction like you can't keep a hand without one you really want two, and I don't feel like I'm very safe until I have three in my opening hand, which is a lot to ask of a hand. And if a storm deck that can do other stuff too, because Upsal Spells does one thing, and it's very good at doing that one thing, but that's all it does. If a storm deck can ponder and brainstorm and duress you here and there, but also play Pact of Negation and go at Upsal Spells speed, if that gets solved, it's going to be really scary. And going back to the Lion's Eye Diamond bet, so... When you're playing Paradise Lost, Mind's Desire, and even Ad Nauseum, Lion's Eye Diamond is by far the best mana in your deck. At all times, anytime you, you draw Lion's Eye Diamond, your win rate goes up a little bit. And when you don't draw it, it goes down. Echo Vans actually needs it. I mean, in order to flashback Echo, Lion's Eye Diamond is probably just the card that you have to have access to. And when you're playing with Beseech the Mirror, all the other mana in your deck elevates. Your Dark Rituals, your Cabal Rituals, but more importantly, Crow Mox, Mox Opal, Lotus Petal. Those all go from being fringe players to cards you want to see all the time. So it really makes all the mana around Mind's Eye Diamond become much better. And in return, I believe that you get a much better deck. Yeah, and like your deck requires fewer cards to go off it's less risky because you don't have to go in with led some of the fail cases for the artifacts are now much higher like a mox opal without metalcraft still is beseech fuel same with chrome mox without an imprint it just feels like things flow together incredibly well when you're playing these like blue black x beseech decks it just feels like it works it's safer it it feels like such a good upgrade to what we've been doing with storm decks for years yeah and i think a part of that is that we're saving on mana you need four mana at the bare minimum in order to win and that means that you mulligan less often because dark ritual lotus petal is a theoretical win with guys will and if you look at previous lines i mean i mentioned infernal tutor and ad nauseum with seven it's eight mana to beseech the mirror into will beseech tendrils and you can reuse that mana in the middle uh, it's 12 mana to infernal tutor past in flames infernal tutor tendrils and with that line you don't get to replay your lines eye diamond which is why i'm counting total mana and not just mana overall not only the first half of the mana, I guess, is my point. And then similarly, if you're not playing Past and Flames and instead you're playing Paradise Lost, it's 13 mana. Meanwhile, with Beseech, it's just four to start and then four after, and you get to reuse all of it. 
And I, I think part of this plays into the deck also being better against hate cards. Uh, so let's take something like a Null Rod, for example. If you just have Dark Rit, Dark Rit, Random Artifact Beseech, fuck the Null Rod, you're, it's, it's not going to do anything. You're just going to storm off through it. And similarly, if someone plays a Chalice on either 1 or 0, you can still maybe, over the course of a few turns, build up enough to get to that 8-ish mana to go and present a win. Phil, you just talked about something that I was super excited to talk about, which is the deck is way more resilient now. I have so many onboard wins. I, have, I take screenshots of like wins that I'm like super giddy with. A lot of them recently have included a no rod or collector roof on the table and me just going, oops, I win anyway, which I would, you know, go to bed crying at night to those cards previously. I mean, they're still very effective, but you're not just cold to them anymore. You have game. Yeah, and, and this I know we've already mentioned this earlier in the episode, but like this is why I'm so keen on Mindbreak Trap right now is because the Null Rods aren't necessarily winning you the game against these Storm decks anymore. Now, it's not like Null Rod is bad. Like It is still a card that you're perfectly happy to have in the matchup. It's still a card with great utility in other matchups like 8-cast. If I stick a Null Rod against 2021 Bryant, like I'm like, fuck yeah, this game's pretty close to over. And if I do that now, I'm still sweating it so another thing is i mean we've talked about this with almost every card so far so i just wanted to make sure we're doing it here you don't have to draw cards with beseech the mirror yes you could be playing brains from reponder but anything that makes your deck less uh disruptable by orcish bowmasters the better like the previous epic storm list that i was playing with three minds desire had three echo of aeons in it and i had a lot of losses that were due to orcish bowmasters just stealing just enough and now Orcish Bowmasters, I'm like, great, you wasted your mana. Like, can I keep on comboing now? Like, I don't care. Um, which is a really nice feeling, because three weeks ago, that was not the case. All right, so we're obviously all pretty high on this card. It, it does have some downsides, though. One of the primary ones is that, like, you do have to bargain it if you are trying to immediately win the game with it in most cases. So you are going to have to put more artifacts, enchantments, or tokens of some kind into your deck. Like talking about the aforementioned Collector Oof, if your version of this deck is playing something like a Vault of Whispers, a Black Artifact Land, for example, an Oof or a Null Rod might shut off one of your initial mana sources, which is a really big deal. There's a large portion of the Storm community that's not sure if the bargain mechanic on Beseech the Mirror is worth it. Uh, there's some people out there saying, like, Chromox isn't an ant cart. I don't want to have to play Mishra's Bobble. Um, there's some people that would prefer Pest and Flames, and that's absolutely fine. But I don't think it's as powerful. If you're not interested in playing the bargain mechanic because it's tied to more artifacts, I understand. I may not agree with you, but I at least understand the position. Yeah, and on that, uh, like, we've kind of been talking about CEDH2. That's the other high-power format we all play. And I worked... Beseech the Mirror into my Tim Necron Blue Farm deck that I've had a lot of tournament success with. And, and CDH decks are full of artifact mana. There is no problem with that. But your enchantments are things like Ristic Study, Ristic Remora, and Breach. You don't really want to sacrifice those. And then the only tokens my deck makes are Orc Army from Orcish Bowmaster. And then I have a couple ways to make treasures. So it's actually like you're losing a, a sticky mana source that if you get stuffed on your breach, it's a real cost because every point of mana matters a lot in a CDH game when you have to beat three other players. And tokens aren't free. 
Like they're they're not just laying around everywhere in that format. So uh, like deck building cost uh, across formats is it's real. And I don't think that we've actually really gone into depth on this yet. I mean, we alluded to it, but mana value of four or less is a huge cost. It's probably the biggest downside of Beseech in the Mirror. It doesn't play well with Ad Nauseam because it doesn't, you can't cast the Ad Nauseam for free. And then if you do search for Ad Nauseam, your deck is now, it has at least three more copies of Beseech the Mirror in it and a Tendrils of Agony. That's 16 mana just hanging out waiting to be revealed. It's going to hurt. And then if you want to get Mind's Desire, that's a 10 mana line. Paradise Lost is a nine mana line. Like those are expensive wins. And for those wins, you could Burning Wish into Peer into the Abyss and have the, that to me, I've had three total Peer into the Abysses in my life fail. It's almost deterministic. And I would never pay nine mana to uh, Beseech into Paradise Lost when Peer into the Abyss is an option. Yeah, Beseech rewards you for playing a higher density of like artifact mana cards and other small cards in a lot of ways it reminds me a little bit of the lurse of the dream den era of legacy where you're almost more rewarded for small ball gaming so things like galvanic relay empty tundras of agony guy as well these are all smaller cards that are a little bit more compact rather than going big because I think when you're winning with Mind's Desire, it feels so cool to cast your entire deck, cast Echo, cast your entire deck again. You really feel like you're this like powerful wizard doing the thing. You don't get that feeling when you're playing Beseech the Mirror and the Guyswell. You're like, okay, I'm going to play my Ritual. I'm going to sack my Artifact. I'm going to Beseech. I'm going to get Guyswell. I'm going to cast it all again. And then I'm going to cast Tendrils. Okay, this is a little bit less fun, but you're going to win more. And ultimately, that's what I care about. You're going to have 42 minutes for lunch between rounds when you slay your opponent at eternal weekend like that that's worth a lot to me a lot more than being clever for sure and a lot of people uh are listening to this episode probably going like beseech the mirror is cracked it is triple black and i would just like to remind people that the top right hand corner has that in there so it's not really castable off right of flame colorless mana and decks like black saga storm where you have ancient tomb and urza saga sometimes triple black is a real cost uh, it's tough to cast off Lionside Diamond because in order to do so, you have to search for the Beseech the Mirror or you have to reveal Beseech the Mirror to Galvanic Relay. So Lionside Diamond can cast it, but it's not easy. And then if you want to really make sure you can cast Beseech the Mirror, Cabal Ritual could be your secondary ritual choice. You also open yourself up to Graveyard Hate in a way that like TES style decks normally don't care about. So like a lot of times if you have something like say a rest in peace, you might not even board that in versus TES because it only shuts off a like a line or two. Whereas with this deck, you're almost always looking to cast Gaia's Will as part of your combo. So cards like Endurance, Crop Rotation for Bojuka Bog, Leyline of the Voids are going to hit you a lot harder than they would in other versions of this deck. And a quick note, uh, I released a video about Cut to Ribbons being like the best card defeating the One Ring. Unfortunately, if you're playing Guy's Will, it's no longer an option. I published my uh, Beseech the Mirror videos and everyone's like, where'd Cut to Ribbons go? Your last video was so sweet. Well, with Guy's Will, cards that would go to the graveyard get exiled instead, which seems like it's an irrelevant line of text, but it's not, or else you could replay those cards, but... When you go to discard the cut to ribbons to your line side diamond to then use the um, aftermath of the card, 
you can't do it because it would be exiled. So cut to ribbons is just non-functional with Guy's Will, unfortunately. So you're no longer allowed to play those Aftermath cards. All right. So there's one other big thing that I want to talk about. Um, Bryant, how bad is it when you draw your Gaia's Will? It's really awkward. So people have tried to get around this in a couple different ways. So you can play Brainstorm, you know, the card that's been historically best at putting cards back into your library. You could play the card that I've already forgotten the name of it because it's so terrible. Brian, Blue Enchantment. I need more than that. Uh, Blue Enchantment. Mystic Remora. As Foretold. There we go. I I remembered it. Okay. As Foretold. Oh, that one from earlier. It's so bad. Callback. Yeah. Then there's Yehenny's X. My brain went to Soothsaying, by the way. I was like, what Blue Enchantment is he talking about? (laughs) Soothsaying. Love Mercadian Mask. Um, But then there's Yehenny's Expertise, which is from Kaladesh which is two black black. You can cast a spell that costs three or less from your hand for free. All creatures get minus three, minus three. So some people are like, well, maybe we'll play this in the main deck so you can get it with your Beseech the Mirror, and then you can play the Guy's Will from your hand. That is way too many slots and bad cards in your deck to be playing. So I think you're almost better off playing a second Guy's Will because then you could also imprint it to Chrome Mox because that's a card you're probably playing anyway. Um, but it's really awkward. Sometimes having Guy's Will does make more draws or more mulligans in your deck. Uh, a lot like drawing a main deck Tundra the Vagony in your seven. It's a theoretical mulligan. Yeah, my list that I played, I mentioned it was pretty rough and I only owed one Guy's Will and it came up a couple times. Or like, I have mana floating around. Uh, maybe I should ponder just to build storm before this beseech but if i shuffle on that ponder and spike the will now i can't combo so it there's just this like weird little percentage or like i got it covered double win like if, if i untap as long as i don't draw guy as will and i don't like that tension i think a second guy as well makes a lot of sense so there's one thing that i didn't discover until I was maybe 40 matches deep with Guy's Will and Beseech the Mirror, which is Bobbles seem like they're really smart because you could theoretically have like value Guy's Wills to get back your Bobbles and draw more cards. It's actually pretty bad. So unsculpted random draws means that you're going to draw your Guy's Will or your Tundra's Vagony more often. Just like Brian said off drawing a random card off Ponder. And you don't want to draw either of those cards because the Tendrils is best when you can Beseech into it. Guy's Will, you have to Beseech the Mirror into it. When you've already resolved Guy's Will, those Bobbles in your graveyard are pretty much useless because the game is meaningfully going to end that turn unless you're going to bargain them away. And if you have a Chromox or a Mox Opal or whatever, those would just be better than additional copies of Bobbles. So I've actually gone from playing eight Bobbles all the way down to zero. I'm just convinced at this point that Bobbles are wrong. And instead, I've done a 180, and I've gone back to Ponder. And I've been super happy with Ponder recently. I've received some uh, snarky comments in the YouTube comment section, like, oh, I thought Ponder wasn't good anymore. Uh, I am willing to uh, be flexible in my card evaluation. I received some new information, and, well, sometimes opinions change. Wait, you mean that some stuff happened that's worth a full hour of a podcast episode and might change card evaluation a little bit around it? Snarky YouTube idiot, shut up. This snarky podcast idiot is going to say, Ponder was always right. Never betray Ponder. You will always come back. (laughs) You mean Island Ponder Keep? Uh, That guy wants to... Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's how I play Storm. That's how I play Control. It's how I play all decks. Island Ponder Mulligan because the format's too fast. All right, moving on to the final section here. Let's talk. You don't deserve blue cards, Phil. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about how the rest of the metagame is changing. Cards that should be on your radar for playing against this deck 
or maybe interactions that you should know if you are playing this deck. And the first thing is, if you are a Magic Online gamer, you are probably noticing that Storm in various flavor flavors is definitely on the rise in leagues. Maybe not as much in the weekend challenges, but they're, it's just everywhere in leagues. I think right now, a lot of Storm players are trying to figure out the best plan B. A lot of us agree that Beseech the Mirror is by far the best thing you can be doing as a plan A. There's some of us that disagree, but for the most part, the community agrees that Beseech the Mirror is where you want to be. So you have a lot of players testing out like, hey, is Galvanic Relay the best plan B? Is it still ad nauseum, even though it's a nine mana line? There's a lot of experimenting happening. But uh, in challenges, like Phil mentioned, it's not really anywhere to be found. That said, Michael Reed, who you may know is like Eureka, 2244, bunch of numbers, etc. They top 40 Saturday challenge with the first Golgari Black Saga Storm list that I published to uh, my channel. So once again, congrats to Michael Reed. I already gave them a shout out on Twitter, but uh, congrats on being the first one to really do well with Beseech the Mirror. Uh, that said... I've gotten some data because I thought it might be good for the episode. Joe Dyer's team, uh, we usually shout them out whenever we use their data. We're going to do it again here today. So thank you to the D Legacy Data Collection team. Since Lord of the Rings dropped, there's been 2,200 unique players and challenges. Out of those 2,200 players, 54 of them have been Storm players. That is 2% of the field. And it breaks down like this. 19 Ad Nauseam Tendrils, 8 TES. 4 The Epic Gamble, 14 Black Saga Storm, and 9 Riddler. The overall win percentage of these decks is 42%. That's not even a coin flip. And I think while Storm may be everywhere in the leagues, once you get into the winner's metagame, it's sort of put in its place right now. And if you look at the winning metagame and the decks that are breaking through that are combo decks, it's kind of what you would expect. It's Reanimator, it's Carnforge, it's Doomsday. These decks have a higher metagame percentage and win percentage. So while Storm may seem like the boogeyman, it's a deck that got a little bit better, but ultimately still isn't there right now. This is something I want to hit on a little bit too, because I've been going over this with a lot of my coaching clients. A lot of people are really buckling down for Eternal Weekend. They come to me and they're like, yeah, I've been putting up a positive record, a lot of 4-1s, never less than 3-2 with my deck. I'm pretty happy with that. And I have to remind them that Eternal Weekend is an 11-round Swiss tournament to straight Swiss. This is not a Grand Prix where you get two or three losses. It is x1 is going to make top eight x11 might not even make top eight and x2 you're dead x2 you might not even be top 16 so if you're out there with like yeah i've been putting up steady three twos and four ones in the leagues with my deck you need to trophy three leagues to win eternal weekend you have to trophy uh, just think of it like the 11 round tournament plus the three rounds of top eight you have to trophy the first league or your breakers are going to be shit and then you can four one your second league i guess and then you have to win your last three in a row to leave with the painting. Like, are you, are do you feel like you could trophy three leagues with your deck? If not, you should probably be buckling down, doing real work, figuring out how you can get to that spot. If you're, if you have serious aspirations about top eighting or winning Eternal Weekend, I think one of the other issues here is that a lot of the cards that were previously good against Storm or more generally are good against Combo are still going to be good. The Leyline of the Voids that you might be playing for decks like Reanimator are now going to have more splash damage on these Storm builds, for example. Mindbreak Trap was a card that was seeing some play before, but is now catching on 
because it catches more different archetypes. Like, if it's going to hit all these Beseech Storm decks, if it's going to hit the random High Tide deck, if it's going to hit the random Creative Technique deck that someone shows up to uh, with for Eternal Weekend because they want to have a good time, you know, there, there are things that are going to get you. So I'd like to just chime in here real quick. So we saw Mindbreak Trap really come back due to Creative Technique. Having played the Creative Technique deck a few times, people think that it is much better against that deck than it actually is. Because the way that it happens is you cast your first creature that has the Cascade. You cast the Creative Technique as spell two. Your opponent demonstrates you get to cast another spell. What ends up happening is that there's a bunch of triggers that end up on the stack. And when your opponent goes to Mindbreak Trap, there's still triggers there that then later on become creative techniques that allow them to keep going. A much better card if you're actually looking to beat Mindbreak Trap would be Flusterstorm if your deck's blue. Uh, but I think that creative technique, it doesn't seem like, it seems like a Storm deck. I'm just saying that Mindbreak isn't perfect against it. They can still win through it if you don't interact with them in some way or get them to cast an extra spell. I might be a little bit rambly here, but hopefully you know what I mean. A deck that you mentioned a minute ago, like the Karn Forge deck, like the Mystic Forge, the One Ring, Voltaic Key, Untap, those sorts of things. Hate against that deck often comes in the form of things like maybe a Null Rod or a Lavinia or a Deafening Silence. And those cards also happen to be quite good here. Lavinia in particular makes it so that you can't like Dark Ritual into Beseech ahead of Curve and also ends up countering these zero mana spells. I also want to shout out another matchup that Phil, uh, maybe intentionally paid actor, did not mention in the Mindbreak Trap. Uh, how about Cavern of Souls, Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, Pitch of Spirit Guide, Season Dungeoneer. Get out. And being on the draw against initiative, I would board in my Mindbreak Traps if I had them. Especially if I'm a fair blue deck that can bridge, like, as long as I get, don't get Dumpster turn one, then I have Dress Down that can bridge to actual four mana, then I don't care about Cavern of Souls anymore. Just exile the initiative creature. That's some vintage tech. Like, when you're on the draw against workshop decks, a lot of times you want your Mindbreak Traps because... That's how they get ahead. So something that's pretty interesting is Teferi Time Raveler. It might not seem obvious, but when you bargain a card off Beseech, you are not playing it at sorcery speed. You're actually playing it at instant speed. So you cannot play a guy's will off of Teferi Time Raveler or any other card that you bargained for you can still put those cards to your hand guys will likely off the table so for those of you that like island ponder to fairy time raveler still ruining people's day yeah this is largely irrelevant but i my brain just triggered of like how many ways are there to actually put a guy as well on the stack with the fairy time raveler like all of the cheats that we mentioned i think only as foretold actually does that because none of the yehenny's expertise are cascading into it or anything like teferi just dumpsters all of that stuff and a big loser of uh all of these cards over the last month we talked about ad nauseum to mind's desire to paradise lost to beseech the mirror we never once mentioned Ruby Storm or the Epic Gamble ever getting new tools. I sort of feel like this is the first time in a while that the Red Storm decks haven't gotten something. Because they, over the last couple of years, they've been the one Storm archetype that's gotten a new toy every couple months, it feels like. And this is the first time in a while that the Red Storm decks haven't. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, Wizards has been kind of leaning into red in that sort of stormy zone, uh, especially that flip mechanic like you can cast these spells until end of turn until the end of next turn they printed tons of variants of that in recent years and bergy and galvanic relay a lot of stuff for red storm and 
And yeah, they they got nothing out of these last couple updates. All right, boys, let's close it out. Let's do the way too soon Eternal Weekend predictions. Do you think that the field of Eternal Weekend will be similar to Legacy Leagues? Do you expect to see a lot of Beseech the Mirror? I would be comfortable playing a Beseech the Mirror deck in an event like Eternal Weekend, provided that I had the reps with it. I, I think that deck is quite real. I think it will be a contender. And I think people who don't play enough Legacy will not have games against the Beseech the Mirror decks to know what to do in the matchup, because it's just going to be new enough. Yeah, this thing happened last year at Eternal Weekend. Walking around the room, I heard a bunch of just people saying like, wow, I lost to some white deck, just some 3-3, and it, it like does initiative or something. I I've never seen anything like that. And this was like four or five weeks after the initiative cards came to MTGO. But a lot of Eternal players are slow to move. If they're not logged into MTGO or listening to podcasts like this one, they might not know that they can get turn one with protection through a null rod. Yeah, you could get a lot of the people who aren't ready. And that's worth a lot. Personally, the existence of Beseech the Mirror has taken me from 0% to Playstorm to 55%. I still have to figure it out. I got work to do. Right now, my big question going into Eternal Weekend is, is this there? Can I solve it? And my friends with people who are going to solve it and share it with me also, wink, wink, Storm Discord. I think really the the bar to clear for me is, can I justify not playing Beseech the Mirror? And as for me, I think the deck is real. I don't think the Eternal Weekend metagame will look anything like Legacy Leagues. If you look historically at large Legacy events, like GP Niagara, for example, Storm was expected to be big there, and then it was like four percent of the fields uh phil won't like me saying this but i don't think my break trap is actually a good call i don't think it's good against creative technique i think that the besieged the mirror decks are not going to be as popular as uh people might believe and this isn't me just trying to be a shell for you know my own benefit you can choose not to not believe me i don't care but i don't think that it's going to be a cyborg slot that ultimately gets you a lot of win percentage points which is just all i care about i care about winning and i want everyone to win but i don't think that card is going to get you the juice i do agree with brian as a confirmed not paid actor i don't think you want to just shove four mind break traps into your sideboard in an event like eternal weekend because the the speech I gave a little while ago where you have to go basically 14 and one across three leagues is de- is dedicating four sideboard slots, just fully more than one third, uh, more than one quarter, less than one third of your sideboard to exactly one thing. Do you think that's going to win you more matches over 14 rounds that you have to win all of uh, than just some normal cards? And I don't think that's true. Yeah, I, I agree. In your leagues right now, like Farm people with Mind Break Trap, it's so good in that environment. In a, you know, GP-sized event like Eternal Weekend, I want to make sure that I am leveraging for the fair blue decks that I am expecting to see more of than normal. Because people love playing their Delver. They like playing their various flavors of blue control. I'm going to want to make sure I have an answer for, like, the Up the Beanstalk decks, the the Fourth Air Lingas decks, and things of that nature. You're going to see a lot more Beanstalks at Eternal Weekend than you're going to see Beseech the Mirror. And I think that is going to be true, whether those decks are better or not and they might just be also we we're not talking about that today but up the beanstalk is fucked up the beanstalk 
I think it's safe to, to nickname that one. You're going to see a lot of that. It's the type of magic people like to play, and it's an approachable card that makes a lot of sense, and you don't need a bunch of storm wraps to figure it out. It's also only like a dollar. Everyone was like, the one ring, oh my god, it's up to $120. Up the beanstalk, one American dollar. Uh, it's also very good. Draws a lot of cards. Yeah, $1 uncommon versus a $38 mythic rare in Beseech the Mirror. So also some accessibility talk. On the subject of accessibility... If you just have normal legacy cards up the beanstalk, you just add it to your decks. Pivoting onto Storm, you got to buy four LEDs. You got to buy four Chrome Mocks. It, most people just can't do that in paper. So that's my read on the Eternal Weekend metagame. <laughs> <laughs> 